Welcome to MuggleCast, your weekly ride into the Wizarding World fandom. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. I'm Maura. On today's episode, we are going to celebrate the recent completion of Chapter by Chapter by discussing our favorite chapters ever across all seven Harry Potter books. This is going to be a crazy episode. We've been stressing all week over which chapters to select. And to help us have this conversation today, we are joined by one of our supporters over at patreon.com slash mugglecast, Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Let's get your fandom ID. Tell us about yourself. My favorite book is Deathly Hallows. My favorite movie is Half-Blood Prince. My favorite character is Bill Weasley. My Hogwarts house is Hufflepuff. My Ilvermorning house is Puckwudgie, so like double Hufflepuff, I guess. <laughs> um, my favorite chapter, which I hear we're going to talk about later, is Goblet of Fire, Bagman, and Crouch. Excellent. Yeah, we'll hear more about that later. We were just talking about this before we started. It looks like Goblet of Fire has the most favorite chapters between listeners and the panel. That seems to be the most popular book, which is very surprising. Definitely. Yeah. Stephanie, how long have you been listening to MuggleCast? So I have been listening to MuggleCast since 2017, and I think I've been a patron since 2018. So I'm kind of a new adopter as far as that goes. Yeah. And I really love to hear from new listeners. So thank you for joining us relatively recently. How did you find the show? Just out of curiosity. I was recommended a different podcast uh, that was uh, Harry Potter related. And it popped up on my newsfeed. It said, hey, if you like this podcast, also try MuggleCast. And I thought, that was oh, cool. a great suggestion. That was a great suggestion because you hated that other podcast. I no longer listen to the <laughs> other podcast, so you're not wrong. Oh, so before we get to our favorite chapters in the Harry Potter series, a couple of news items. It was 20 years ago this past Friday that Warner Brothers announced that Dan Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grint would play the trio. And now Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone has just surpassed $1 billion at the box office because the film was just re-released in China. So Chinese theaters have been opening and they've been playing some old movies to get people back into the theater after the pandemic. And one of them was Harry Potter. Wow. It's And what's also crazy is that there was only one other Harry Potter film to have surpassed $1 billion at the box office. That is the final film, Deathly Hallows Part 2. And uh, moving over to the current franchise, Fantastic Beasts, Variety reports that they are planning to resume filming in September. Of course, filming has been on hold. Apparently, they had just gotten started back in March when the pandemic hit. And then they were like, well, never mind. But because the movie is just going to start filming in September next month, and the film is supposedly slated to hit theaters next November... I find it highly unlikely that the film will actually be hit, hitting theaters November 2021. Yeah, nah. I think they got to give that up. A lot of movies are being delayed in terms of their release dates, and there's just going to be this domino effect, as I've said previously. Some other big movie is probably going to take Fantastic Beast 3's release date, and obviously Fantastic Beast 3, it's going to take a while for them to film and do all the special effects and whatnot, so... We might be waiting till 2022 for that movie. Oh, God. <laughs> I hope it's at least summer, though. Like, because Harry Potter films do work in summer. They released a couple of them. It doesn't always need to be this November 15, 16 release date. Yeah, I think that's a good idea because the first two Fantastic Beast movies have been November releases and it's not going as great as they would hope in terms of the box office. So maybe Plus they should try Rio, summer. baby. It's Brazil. <laughs> you don't think they would potentially bump it up in terms of release, just given the fact that it's already been delayed so much. I know you're talking about but other films. But they haven't films. even started filming. That's true. Yeah. The other thing is they don't want to rush the movie out because movie two, the reviews weren't that great, and they can't risk that again. So I think they have to delay it. People just want more use of comma. I mean, that's really what it is at the end of the day. <laughs> Maybe they should just film the whole movie over Zoom. Like would People cool. would turn out for that, see how that went, <laughs> out of curiosity. <laughs> It's like a table read through. Yeah. <laughs> on Zoom. I would buy tickets to a table read through. I really want to know what the hell is going to happen. That would honestly, yeah, be amazing. And that would be all we would need to talk about it, you know, like really. Or just mm. put the script book on sale. You know, just sell that. <laughs> They're going to do that anyway. That's mm-hmm. probably ready to go. That's the true. 11th Harry Potter movie in stores now. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, we figured I, I would it out. listen Great. to Dan Fogler again. I mean, he did an amazing job in his chapter of Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. So let him just read the whole movie to us. I'm fine with that. Okay, that's it for the news. Now it's time for our main discussion, our favorite chapters across the entire Harry Potter series. Wow. Why are we putting ourselves through this? <laughs> this <laughs> Thank is you so guys. stressful. Thank you guys so much for coming on this journey together. It's This was uh, Eric's idea. All of you have said how hard it was, and I agree. Even myself, I was surprised by, well, what makes the cut? What doesn't make the cut as far as best chapters? So I thought it would be smart before we each get into our own choices, and we are going to be going through the books chronologically because that's sort of, I think, the easiest way to do it. Um, I wanted to review with you guys what makes a Harry Potter chapter great. One of the biggest things, of course, is pivotal moments. So character happenings, things that change when your expectation is subverted, which happens because these books are a mystery, both in each book and throughout the series. That was a big one for me in my first selection in today's discussion. It definitely the mysteries being revealed, um, new characters being introduced as well, or new concepts, really. It's, it's kind of the equivalent of uh, finding out a word and then immediately getting to use it in a sentence. It's like when J.K. Rowling introduces new technology, whether it's um, flu powder, you know, and then he immediately uses it or a port key and then he immediately uses it. These are all kind of really big highlights, I guess, compared to other chapters in the book when Harry's just kind of at school going through classes and it's more of a slow burn. Yeah, I think for me, looking at that second point that you have there, the action and suspense, but also the mystery revealed. The mystery revealed for me is a theme throughout all the chapters that I chose. And I think there are a few that do it better than J.K. Rowling of sort of laying out the breadcrumbs throughout and then finally giving you that big reveal, whether you were expecting it or not. Yeah. And and then I also wrote, there are some chapters that just hit me in the feels uh, and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a huge character moment, but like or a, a huge action set piece moment, but uh, with tender humanist dialogue, Things like when when Sirius Black is in the cave talking to Harry about well, you guys know how I love Sirius, but he says, you know, look at look at how a man treats his inferiors, not his equals. Things like that also, I think, have the potential to stand out. Andrew, you had you had some really good points here, actually. Yeah. So a couple of other things that I think make a chapter great are the chapter being a good hindsight read, and mm -hmm. by that I mean you read it after knowing what has happened throughout the remainder of the series and you see things you didn't see that first time. Right. So looking back on these moments and thinking about what you only knew at a, at that time versus what you knew by the end of the series, that elevated a chapter for me. And also how the movie adapted the chapter. I'm going to talk about this a couple times today. There are iconic scenes in the movie series, of course, and I just can't help but think about those scenes while rereading these chapters. If the movie adaptation elevates the chapter, that makes it a favorite chapter of mine as well. I like that a lot because on one hand, I want to like scream and shout and go, no, 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 but the movies are separate. But I think it, it really does mean that the chapter is, is in a way better if it can be, I don't know, captured in a 3D environment such as film. Mm -hmm. Do you then go back and when you reread that chapter, are you playing it out in your mind with scenes from the movie? Yes, which I know can be a bad thing to do because you don't want your <laughs> you don't want the movie to uh, mess with your memory of the book and vice versa. But uh, yeah, I definitely play the movie scene in my head. What about for you, Steph? Other than just Goblet of Fire, uh, what makes a good chapter? Some of the stuff that Andrew was talking about, a little bit of the hindsight for me, why I picked this specific chapter that I'll be talking about has more to do with Harry's discovery than it does with anything else. Harry's just in such a great mood and it's because he's surrounded by the people and the things that he really loves. And that I think made that chapter stand out to me. For me, it should be no surprise that one of the things that I love the most is when I can connect threads <laughs> to <laughs> other points in the series. And, and I like that because it's very consequential, right? Especially when you're reading earlier chapters in the book and you see something being set up, you know, upon doing that reread and you're like, oh, crap, like she was really working on this for a long time. Um, and that 
to me, really pays off because it results in, you know, significant happenings later on in the series. And um, that's something that I'm going to be making an argument for today during my favorite chapter discussions. So I'm really looking forward to it. Well, let's get into it. So there are, and Andrew, thank you for counting. I assume it's you that put this in here. Yeah. There are 199 chapters. This is another reason Harry it was Potter. so difficult. There's so many <laughs> options to choose from. You can't you know, possibly apo- do this easily. Yeah, apologies in advance to all the chapters that we are leaving out, particularly ones from Chamber of Secrets. There's no representation of that uh, in this episode. Well, I'll <laughs> give a shout out to the Death Day Party hmm. chapter. Yeah, That's right. a good That's one. Cool. I almost went with that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. You should have because- there are there are definitely a couple that come close, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll talk about when we um, browse over <laughs> book two. But let's start with I'm actually surprised. I said this in our Slack earlier, but I'm thrilled that there are chapters in the first book that some of you have chosen to be your favorite chapters. Um, you know, typically because it's a mystery series, the later books are the ones that are like packed with answers Mm -hmm. and we all love the solution to mysteries and things. But book one that just starts off, I was thrilled to see some of you guys going, no, 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 there's something really, really great here that happens really early on. And I'm I actually choose. picked this chapter just because I wanted to go first. Oh, <laughs> oh of course. No, I'm kidding. Well, Andrew, here you go. I'm kidding. Look, you've chosen chapter four, The Keeper of the Keys. Yes. I selected this chapter because, in my opinion, it's the first change everything chapter for Harry. The first mm-hmm. few chapters that preceded this one, they are setting up this moment where Hagrid tells Harry that he's a wizard. Harry has no idea. Some weird things have been happening to him. He doesn't know why. And Hagrid comes in, this weirdo, this large man who was expelled from this hoggy-woggy school thing that he just mentioned. Um, He says he's a wizard, and it's time for Harry to come to that school as well. And it's just, it, it changes everything. This chapter is a good blend of importance. It's also whimsical. And it's also funny with Hagrid's responses to the Dursleys. So it just checks a lot of boxes for me, including... The fact that it's a good hindsight read, because in this chapter, we hear Petunia describe her sister. And that's interesting to hear, knowing what we know now about her wishing she was a witch. And we also hear Hagrid speculate over what happened to Voldemort after he killed Harry's parents. So that's interesting to read at the very beginning. And then there's the future groundwork that's being laid, like Hagrid saying he was expelled from Hogwarts, but he doesn't explain why. And of course, we get an answer in the next book. I did have one question rereading this chapter in preparation for today's episode. Hagrid clearly doesn't know that Harry was in the dark about his true self. He's shocked that the Dursleys never told Harry that he's a wizard. But Dumbledore must have known that the Dursleys were keeping it all a secret, right? And if so, why wouldn't Dumbledore tell Hagrid? I know this is a mini chapter by chapter discussion all of a sudden, but (laughs) is this going to happen every uh, chapter? Uh, I was like, the heck? It's a good question. Uh, You know, going back to our recent chapter by chapter of Order of the Phoenix, I almost want to say, well, it was another one of those old man mistakes that Dumbledore made. But (laughs) I I think that it was Dumbledore probably knew that Harry wasn't treated the best. I don't know if he knew that uh, this information necessarily was being kept from Harry. Yeah. Uh, but I will say, Andrew, despite you going first, I do think it's extremely important that we include the chapter where Harry actually finds out that he's a wizard as one of our top chapters of, of the series, because otherwise... There's no book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's no series. So, <laughs> Otherwise, Harry would be very confused attending Hogwarts every yes. year. <laughs> so I'm glad you picked it. Well, thank you, Micah. I wonder if this was more of Dumbledore playing people like pawns in a yep. game of chess like yep. him being like oh Hagrid is gonna lose his <laughs> mind when he finds out and the Dursleys totally deserve it so I'm just gonna let it happen I'll buy that I will buy into that theory 100% 
I would love that. Yeah. I mean, he knew that anybody who cared about Harry would clearly try and go and rescue him if they knew how Harry was being mistreated and not told who or what he was. I think the trick was just letting it happen because Dumbledore needed that to happen. He needed Petunia's protection of Harry to work. Otherwise, Voldemort's followers could supposedly get Harry. So no matter how badly Harry was being treated, he needed that Harry to still be safe. And that was the only way to do it. Mm. I really like this pawn idea, though, because with Petunia especially, you know she's holding a grudge. So she's starting to see signs that Harry is a wizard. She's probably thinking, I'm not telling him he's a wizard. Like, <laughs> so like doubling down almost. Yeah, exactly. So Right. That's she's a- like, if I couldn't go to Hogwarts, neither can he. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, we talk about Harry not being observant from time to time, but how do you end up on the roof of your school and not think – Maybe there's something weird going on here. Well, if he must have just, the wind must have just caught him right, he thinks. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, that's what it says. Um, also a good adaptation uh, in yes. this chapter. Yes, thank you. That was uh, one chapter of book one, but we have another from Laura. You put in here, chapter 12, The Mirror of Erised. Yes. And I need to preface this, y'all, by talking about how hard this was um because we originally picked three right Mm -hmm. and even just picking three was a challenge i read for hours like changing my mind and being like oh no i think it's got to be this one and my favorite book is goblet of fire so it seems like my favorite chapter should be from goblet of fire um but ultimately i landed on this one because It checks so many of the boxes that we talked about earlier. Um, It's Harry's first good Christmas, and it's our introduction to Christmas at Hogwarts. And just from like a sentimental feel-good standpoint, this chapter is just like so warm and fuzzy to read. I don't know if you guys have reread this one recently, Mm -mm. Um, but like Hagrid's hauling in Christmas trees from the grounds and the Great Hall is all decorated and they're eating these like fat turkeys at the Christmas Day feast and having snowball fights. It's just really fun. And I love Christmas, so I was predisposed to love this portion of this chapter, I suppose. Um, But in addition to it being Harry's first good Christmas, it's also the first Christmas where he gets real gifts. And (laughs) among those gifts, he gets the invisibility cloak. And this has so much significance, of course, because he uses it throughout the whole series. But the note that Dumbledore leaves with the cloak just says, use it well. And he does. Right. I mean, like over the course of the series, we see him use it to accomplish a number of different things. But ultimately, he uses it during the climax of Deathly Hallows. Mm -hmm. And we end up learning that he's actually a descendant of one of the Peveril brothers. So I just think this is a really good circular connecting the threads moment that we get in this chapter. Yeah, the introduction of the invisibility cloak is huge, and the mirror of Eris said. So mm-hmm. I can see why you picked this one. Yep. And, you know, he sees his family in the mirror, of course, when he finds it, um, which is very interesting from a reader's standpoint. But what I find more interesting than that is the discussion that he and Dumbledore have about not dwelling on dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that this was such important setup for Harry, not not just throughout the series, but ultimately during the finale of the series when he makes the decision to give up the Elder Wand, even though he was the wand's true master. Mm. He gave up the most powerful wand on the planet because he recognized that nobody should have it and that it's more trouble than it's worth. Just like the mirror of Erised, the thing that men have wasted away in front of, as Dumbledore tells him. Yeah. And I just think about how sad it is mm-hmm. for Harry to see his family and not be able to have them. Agreed. It's definitely one of the first chapters that, like, again, about being hit in the fields, you're just, like, shocked that yeah. it's just this boy has been through so much. Right. 
And there's also, I had completely forgotten, um, but during this point in Sorcerer's or Philosopher's Stone, the trio are trying to research Nicholas Flamel. So the first thing Harry thinks to do with the invisibility cloak is, oh, I'm going to go to the restricted section and try and look up Nicholas Flamel. And he gets there. He pulls out a book. It starts screaming. Filch comes, of course. But then who comes after that is Snape. And, of course, Harry at this point thinks it's because Snape is trying to prevent them from figuring out who Flamel is so that he can go steal the Philosopher's Stone. (laughs) Ultimately, Snape is doing Dumbledore's bidding because we see during the flashbacks in in book seven that Dumbledore just offhandedly says to Snape, hey, keep an eye on Quirrell, won't you? And so Snape has directly told Filch, hey, if you hear anyone out and about after hours, come get me specifically and that's what happens in this chapter clever clever threads we are also going to be incorporating feedback from listeners that sent in uh, voicemails to us and the first one talking about book one is from jeff hey Mogocast, this is jeff my favorite chapter out of all seven books is probably chapter 10 of philosopher's stone which is halloween i love this chapter for a lot of reasons that are not only fun, but I feel like really important to the series. Quidditch is, of course, a really big deal to Harry and to the rest of the Wizarding World, and in this chapter, we get the basic fundamentals of Quidditch explained to us for the very first time. Ron has a tendency to feel like he's not very important or very necessary as we get through the series, but in this chapter, he's the one who casts the charm that actually knocks out the troll and saves Hermione's life. So he gets to do that. And then, of course, at the end of the chapter, we get the trio coming together and really cementing their friendship for the very first time. And as McGonagall puts it in the film version of Half-Blood Prince from that moment forward, it is always those three. And in the film version of Philosopher's Stone, we get a lot of really iconic moments from the material in this chapter, such as when Ron gets his spell work corrected by Hermione by saying, it's Leviosa, not Leviosa. (laughs) And when Quirrell bursts into the Great Hall to let everybody know that there's a troll in the dungeon. So for these reasons, I feel like this chapter stands out as not only one of the most fun chapters in the series, but also one of the most important. One more thing before I go. Since you guys mentioned on your last episode the possibility of punchable Dolores Umbridge dolls in the future, I will pay you extra if you can make them say, I will have order whenever you hit them. Have a good one, guys. Jeff is really good wow. at impressions. He did that a good one that minute long. It was voicemail. amazing. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do we're going to go down to Build a Bear Factory. We're going <laughs> to get one of those voice boxes that you can record anything, and we'll each take turns doing our umbrage impressions and we'll sew it into the pillow, and boom, there you go. Build a Bear yeah. does let you place a heart in your pillow. But we will skip that step when building our our bridge pillow because she has (laughs) no heart. Andrew, shots fired. But yeah, Jeff, that was Mm. a great one. Please let that be next year's physical patron gift. Uh, We're going to work on that. Yeah, we're going to look into it. I'm going to have to learn how to cross stitch, darn. (laughs) One thing going off of Jeff's voicemail, which I actually didn't even think of, and I'm not sure we pulled any of these chapters. I mean, he directly references Halloween, but just given the significance of Halloween in the series and how many important things happen on that date specifically, going all the way back to, uh, of course, what happens to Harry's parents. So good call out by Jeff. Definitely. And you can tell that really the culmination of their personalities in that chapter, it explains why or how they become friends. And that's probably, you got to imagine, pretty formative to the whole rest of the series. So Totally in agreement. So why did we not each pick a chapter from book two in Chamber of Secrets as our favorites of all time? Book two might be the only book that's just not represented at all. So let's make a tiny mini discussion about it. Why Why is there well, no love for Chamber of Secrets? Wasn't the working title at one point for Chamber of Secrets... Half-Blood Prince. So we, yes. we picked from Half-Blood Prince. There are a number of <laughs> chapters there. We're covered. Totally connecting we're the threads. We're, we're good. Yeah. The book it could have been is pretty good. Yeah. I, I mean, J.K. Rowling has said that there are plot points 
from Half-Blood Prince that were originally going to be represented in Chamber of Secrets. So I think in a lot of ways, those two, I mean, they're not just like, you know, ring theory, sister novels, but I think they really are two halves of the same story, just because we didn't know how much of Snape's backstory was originally going to be represented in Chamber of Secrets and ultimately got moved to Half-Blood Prince. So I think that there are a lot of really similar themes here that we do represent in our choices from Half-Blood Prince. That said, this is no shade towards Chamber of Secrets. I absolutely love this book. Yeah. It's not you, Chamber of Secrets. It's us. It's just a yeah. coincidence <laughs> that none of us picked a chapter from And our book. patrons, too. Right. Let's- yeah. Let's spread the blame a little bit. And if I could talk about being 15 and being wowed by the whole Tom Marvolo riddle, I am Lord Voldemort. Yeah. Ooh, anagrams. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Anagrams on the main stage. That was like nuts. (laughs) (laughs) For somebody who didn't read, that blew my little mind. Um, Well, also, (laughs) you know, getting the backstory around Hagrid and Moaning Myrtle, I just thought was so interesting. And I think... This is some payoff that we're ultimately going to get in the Fantastic Beasts franchise, like just based on the timeline. hope so. I feel like Mm. there's no way that we don't at least get a reference to that particular period of time when Tom Riddle was a student at Hogwarts. Yeah. Obviously, goes without saying, too, the the destruction of the the Horcrux. Yes. Is Mm -hmm. is huge. We don't know it at the time exactly what it is. Right. Ooh, good point. Good point. And it's the first time we get to see... Uh, one of Andrew's favorite topics, which is, of course, that Hogwarts is a security nightmare. <laughs> oh, man. Now I really should have included a chapter from this book. Legit. You thought it was bad that they set up a series of obstacles in the school for the Philosopher's Stone. <laughs> Just wait till you realize there's a chamber with a snake in it. <laughs> Kill lurking under the school. Oh, man. Okay. Well, that was fun. So let's move on to my favorite book, <laughs> Prisoner of Azkaban. And... I think this is many of our favorite um, books out of the seven. And I know that we went through various iterations of picking chapters. Really, the end of this book for me, um, all the chapters at the end that go by, they're each like, I don't know, 18 pages, which is pretty short, but they go by so quick and contain a lot of information. But the one that I picked from Prisoner of Azkaban to be my just like favorite chapter and during a reread i definitely confirmed this this is absolutely one of my top three chapters of all time chapter 10 the marauders map and we've we've talked about sort of harry getting the invisibility cloak in book one this is when he gets the map uh from fred and george as like you know an early christmas present so he can explore hogsmeade and go hang out with Hermione and Bronn. Um, really, there's just a lot of heart in this chapter. Everything that was fun about exploring Hogwarts is doubly fun when Harry is able to see and like just the bit of magic that enchants the map. It in and of itself, I think, is world building. And then the backstory of the map, which we find out later about who made the map, is also just intense world building. So it's like double world building one on top of the other as far as that goes there's some scenes with lupin harry actually asks lupin in this chapter am i weak for not being able for 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 being so susceptible to the dementors and lupin agrees to teach him how to defend himself um so that's that and then really ultimately as the chapter comes to the end with the entire backstory of Sirius Black being Harry's godfather because Harry goes into the three broomsticks with Hermione and Ron and they have to quickly hide because the Minister for Magic is there with Hagrid, Rosmerta, McGonagall, and Flitwick and they all talk about how much best friends James uh, Potter and Sirius Black were. So this chapter also has a very, very much... Uh, a, a be careful what you wish for vibe. And it really ends on such a huge down note that still manages to be the most bit of information that we ever like could have could have imagined mm. it being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Marauders map would definitely make this one of my favorite chapters as well. That is definitely one of the coolest objects across the entire Harry Potter series. Yeah. 
I agree, Eric, in terms of favorite book. Mine is Prisoner of Azkaban. I moved my chapter to to bonus muggle cast, but the one thing that, that you touched on that I think is so important is the chapter that I chose, and obviously we'll talk more about it, but the cat, rat, and dog, that that's kind of the the launch pad to that sequence of chapters that you discussed where there's such a huge info dump. And this goes back to what you were mentioning at the top of the show, like what are the criteria by which you define a good chapter? And yeah, it's really hard to choose within your favorite book what your favorite chapter is. And it almost made me ask the question, can a book be your favorite, but you have a favorite chapter overall that comes from another book? Well, and to your point about big info dumps, like we get to hear, and I'd forgotten about this till I reread, we get to see from Hagrid's perspective, his meeting with Sirius Black, mm. something that was mentioned in chapter one of book one. We actually get to see it from Hagrid's perspective, how he regrets not knowing then what Sirius was about to go do the very next morning in attacking Peter Pettigrew. So it's really just a, a full circle moment. The book series could end there and I'd be satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> and and just to kind of tee up these voicemails, the one from Issy, who was also submitted by, by Chloe, there's a lot of talk about how for Harry in this particular chapter, chapter four of Prisoner of Azkaban, he's just kind of free and and enjoying a life for one of the first times, maybe one of the only times uh, in the series. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just enjoying some ice cream. Hi, MuggleCast. My favorite chapter in the series, and probably Harry's too, is chapter four, The Leaky Cauldron from the Prisoner of Azkaban. It's the happiest we ever see Harry doing his homework in the daylight, getting free Sundays every half an hour from Florian Fortescue, as well as help with his essays. Plus, Hermione gets the iconic Crookshanks in this chapter. The iconic. Although I love sassy Harry, I just think this moment shows the normal life Harry could have had growing up in the wizarding world. And it's also probably my favourite chapter at the moment because I'm a few days from finishing my master's thesis in English Lit and would love someone to be giving me ice cream right now. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Treat yourself, Issy. Go get some ice cream. Yeah. Congratulations. It. That is no small feat. Yeah. And we also got a voicemail from Katie about chapter 18. Hi, MogoCast. I'm calling to tell you about one of my favorite chapters in the Harry Potter series. One of my favorites is uh, chapter 18 of Prisoner of Azkaban, Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs. It is one of my favorites because it be learned so much information about the Marauders and James's backstory and just getting to know so much about Harry's dad is really cool. Um, it also starts on such a big info bomb of Peter Pettigrew and Scabbers being the same, which is always um, was super surprising. And there's just so much tension throughout the whole chapter. And I, after looking back, it's not very long, which is interesting, but there's just so much information in it. I remember loving reading it. Um, for the first time. So thanks. I can't wait to hear other favorite chapters. Cool. Thank you, Katie. Yeah. All of those chapters are very well done again. Mm -hmm. And I, I do not envy anyone like Micah who, who had to pick between 17, 18, 19, and 20. Yeah. <laughs> the chapters are just, they're all back in time later and they relive the events. It's just nuts. So. In bonus MuggleCast, I'm going to talk about chapter 19 because that was one of my favorite chapters. So Moving on, Steph, you have graced us with uh, our only on-show representation for a favorite chapter for Goblet of Fire. And Goblet of Fire does a lot of good things that book three does and even manages to, I think, ramp up the action. So we do have tons of uh, voicemails about Goblet of Fire. But please tell us why chapter seven of Goblet of Fire, Bagman and Crouch, is your favorite chapter. Thanks, Eric. There's there's a lot of reasons. Um, when I was first asked to identify my favorite chapter, I immediately went to the Goblet of Fire, but specifically the Quidditch World Cup. And I went back and forth a couple of times trying to decide between Bagman and Crouch and ultimately the chapter that has the Quidditch World Cup game in it. And I chose Bagman and Crouch for a few reasons. Harry is explosively happy. Um, he's happy in both of those chapters, but this is one of the few times we get to see Harry out in wizarding culture, of course, the first time being when he gets to stay um, in Diagon Alley. And here we just, we learned so many new magical concepts within a very short period of time. So um, 
first of all, the tent. Um, I think the iconic line from the movie is, I love magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we all love magic, Harry. <laughs> Um, flying carpets. We get to hear some of the the day to day business of, of the ministry, including you know it, importing flying carpets. Who knew flying carpets were an actual thing that Harry Potter people had to deal with, right? Yeah, I thought that was just an Aladdin thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, live action figures, getting to see what you know toys would be like if Harry had grown up in a normal household. Mm. Um, the Omnoculars, which you know that. To Laura's point, connecting the threads, the omnoculars, the the uh, leprechaun gold, all of that, that plays really heavily into the later parts of this book. Mm-hmm. We get an idea of how the ministry is organized. Um, we see and hear um, Mr. Weasley talking to Barty Crouch Sr. about the different departments, Ludo Bagman's department, um, Bertha Jorkins, which of course is a huge spoiler that we don't hear about until almost the final couple of chapters of this book. Um, the Weasley twins taking Ludo Bagman's bet. That's a that's a big connecting the thread because, of course, they find out later they've been paid in leprechaun gold and basically have to blackmail Ludo Bagman. And then Harry gives them their winnings. And that's a whole different thing. Of course, there are some wink, wink, nudge, nudges about the Goblet of Fire coming from Percy. And <laughs> also... As a as a sidebar, you know, just seeing Percy get a little dumped on by his boss, like you feel sad for him, but at the same time, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's uh, working so quickly, I guess, in this chapter. It's just a huge everything's going on at once. Yes, I loved it for that reason, and because there's just there's so many little bits of information that don't make sense until later on and it's all crammed in to this chapter that's something jk rowling does very well i think too is it it just it occurs at the pace of normal dialogue so you really don't feel like you're overwhelmed with info yeah yeah exactly and some of the things like the organization of the ministry that plays really heavily into how harry and his friends uh, deal with the ministry in book five, how they approach the ministry, of course, in Deathly Hallows, like all of that is super important. Okay, great choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have two voicemails here. This first one is from Meg. This is not a conventional favorite chapter, but the madness of Mr. Crouch. Goblet is my favorite Potter book for its mystery and all the tiny clues leading up to that mystery. But for the greater part of the book, they go pretty much unnoticed by Harry. We get multiple mentions of Bertha Jorkins, but more as a means of illustrating Ludo Bagman's incompetence at managing his department. Ultimately, Harry is more concerned with making it through the Triwizard tasks. In The Madness of Mr. Crouch, though, the book takes a turn to something incredibly sinister. The previously well-kept Mr. Crouch is now nearly incomprehensible, crawling through mud and twigs and talking to a tree as though it is Percy slash Weatherby. Book four is really the turning point between the children's books of one, two, three, and the young adult novels of five, six, seven. And I think it is in this chapter that one could point to the exact moment it happens. It's creepy. And it's weird. And as a bonus, Hagrid picks up Karkaroff and slams him into a tree for insulting Dumbledore. And Mad-Eye Moody slash Barty Crouch Jr. somehow sneaks into the forest, kills his father, and transforms the body into a bone. Not a stick or a rock, but a bone which is so creepy and so macabre and so iconic. Agreed. So I like the idea that there's a specific chapter where you can tell it switches between children's books and young adult books. Yeah. Yeah. Meg is right. I mean, the first three books are definitely simpler. They're a little friendlier. And then starting with Goblet of Fire, she described it as a transition book. But I mean, really, by the end of it, with Cedric dying, we're in a full adult novel territory yeah and listening to what steph had to say and then meg's voicemail i often just forget how much information is in goblet of fire just it's just there's so much that's happening and now would obviously understand why it was such a challenge for jk rowling to write but uh yeah i i probably forget 90% 90% of what happened in Goblet of Fire. So maybe we should do another chapter by chapter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have one more selection here from Amy. Hi, MuggleCast. This is Amy from New Jersey. And I'd have to say that my all-time favorite chapter is in Goblet of Fire. And it's the chapter called The Parting of the Ways. Before 
I got to this particular book, I had been introduced to Harry Potter by my older nephew and was reading them, well, basically because he wanted me to. But when I read that chapter and I realized that there was so much depth to the story before and so much potential for the story beyond, I would say that that was the chapter that hooked me into being a Harry Potter fan on my own. Thanks so much for this question. All right. Yeah. Wow. Thanks so much for that answer. I love that. I just want to say this was one of my chapters that hit the cutting room floor. <laughs> um, and it was so hard because this chapter is so consequential. You have so much going on. You have the gleam of triumph as Dumbledore realizes Voldemort's mm. mistake, which will ultimately be his undoing a couple of books from now. You also have Dumbledore telling members, we don't realize this yet, but members of the Order of the Phoenix, like, go out and get the old crowd together. We have to start assembling. You see all of this groundwork starting to take place in this chapter. And it's just such a phenomenal setup for the next book that rereading it is like such a delight because you know what he's doing. <laughs> and again, it's like a chessboard. And Dumbledore is just moving people around to put him where he needs them. Oh, you monster. <laughs> yeah. I'm also glad that, I guess I say glad, but Order of the Phoenix also did not have a picked chapter by us. However, since we all just went through the exhaustive 38 chapter, chapter by chapter for the book, I also feel like, you know, we praised each chapter on its merits as we were going through that. So we're excused, is what I'm saying. <laughs> and it is my favorite book, but I was surprised I was that. Yeah. yeah. Even though it was my favorite book, I th what I'm realizing is I just love the book on a whole and mm. not specific chapters. Right. And I think, honestly, part of it was I didn't want to dive back into a chapter we had already recently discussed. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, sure. Like if we did this a year from now, I maybe would have said something involving the Department of Mysteries. Mm -hmm. um, or Umbridge. I also thought about saying one of my favorite chapters is Umbridge's detentions, but then you guys would have thought I was sick, so I didn't. Pick that. <laughs> there, there were a we couple already people think that. Don't worry. That that did note that, uh, but oh, good. To your to your point though, Andrew, you could have gone back through any of the thirty eight Google Docs and just had a chapter prepared for you. <laughs> so I don't. I, bulleted but, out summarized <laughs> but that's kind of what i was getting to before where we were talking about prisoner of azkaban and i mentioned i moved my chapter to bonus muggle cast is it possible though to have a favorite book but have a favorite chapter come from another part of the series i think it's totally possible yeah yes yeah because uh two of my chapters and, and one of them is is not going to be one of them is a bonus but we're from book six. And I was like, but wait, book three is my favorite book, not book six. Uh, but how do you choose? So yeah, there's definitely something like that going on for sure. But our listeners did save us on Order of the Phoenix. Yes. So here is a submission from Jennifer. Hello, this is Jen, and I'm a listener since the beginning, and my favorite chapter of any of the books is Chapter 29, Career Advice from Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. It's got everything you could ever want in a chapter. It starts out with one of my favorite Fred lines where he says they didn't cause any mayhem over the Easter holidays because he knew people would want to study, which shows that the twins really do care about Hermione. It's got... <laughs> The wonderful confrontation between Umbridge and McGonagall, the would you like a cough drop, Dolores, um, <laughs> during Harry's career counseling session, the tense break into Umbridge's office to talk to Sirius, and then, of course, the best scene out of any of the books, Fred and George's triumphant escape from the castle on their brooms, asking Peeves to take over their mayhem. I mean, what more could you want? It's the best chapter out of any of the books, by far. That was a good one. Yep. Thanks, Jen, for including that. And we got this one from Erica. Hi, MuggleCast. This is Erica from Grand Rapids, Michigan. My favorite Harry Potter chapter is Beyond the Veil in Order of the Phoenix. So amazing. It is the first full-blown fight of wizards and the introduction to Bellatrix, who is one of my favorite characters. I love how these kids who have been training all year through Dumbledore's army, come together through bravery, adventure, 
and there doesn't seem to be a lot of hope left because the kids are way out of their league with the Death Eaters when the order comes in. Hooray! That double door! Double hooray! <laughs> and a cruel stab to the heart. The chapter ends with Sirius falling through the veil and Lupin holding Harry back. And you're just left thinking, what the heck just happened? Harry thought that too, Erica. We were talking a little bit earlier about chapters that do really well in the movies, and I think this is one of them. Yeah, I agree. Agreed. Yeah, if you can, if you can mistake that every person in the uh, order can fly, and so can the Death Eaters, then I think that the whole Department of Mysteries, <laughs> very, very much so, was well adapted in the end. Mm-hmm. It's cinematic, Eric. Yeah. Okay. Well, moving on to book six. And this one got a lot of uh, submissions from from us, too. I know a lot of us were toying with book six chapters. I'm going to look no further for myself than chapter one, The Other Minister. And when I was rereading this, not only is it my like one of my favorites because of like the little moments I remember later, but when I was rereading this, it stood out to me as being one of the first chapters written for adults or possibly for adults. You know, we're following the life of the Muggle Prime Minister. He's recounting the last couple times that Fudge has appeared uh, in his office, and you're really getting a sense of he's worn down by paperwork, by his political opponent, uh, going on TV talking about how like bad a job him and his administration are doing. And I'm like, these are specifically adult problems to be having. As an adult, I respect this chapter so much more. because I'm like, oh, this guy's really like, you feel the weight of what he's going through. But even though this is one of the few very special chapters to not be from Harry's perspective, which in and of itself should be like, put it in its own kind of really neat niche category. You also get little bits of things like the coughing portrait uh, that (laughs) completely cement like this guy, his experience directly in the established wizarding canon, because like a, a portrait that coughs or or sometimes maybe leaves its frame and the muggles like what, um, you know, is 100 percent J.K. Rowling's wizarding world. And so even though this chapter could be maybe uh, shocking or off putting, it fits 100 percent right in and ends up being a chapter that gives us a lot of insight into fudges line of thinking for the last several books. Yeah, I really liked that this chapter, as you noted, does not have Harry as the protagonist. It's a mm-hmm. it's a whole different setting, a whole different set of characters. It's like a different world. And I still remember the first time reading this and just thinking about how refreshing it was. Not that I was tired of Harry, but <laughs> it was just cool to have this chapter that did not involve Harry and his friends. Yeah. So I think that alone um, really elevates this chapter. Yeah, I, I agree. And and I think, Eric, something that you touched on is the fact that the muggle world is now being incorporated into what's going on with the return of Voldemort and the fact that it is a real threat. I think Half-Blood Prince really, the the way that it's set up right from the start is you're meant to believe that things are extremely dark. They obviously end that way with the death of Sirius in Order of the Phoenix, but now you get the sense of the weight of Voldemort's return, how it's you know, really crushing Fudge and crushing the ministry and the impact that it now is having on the entire world, right? This is a real threat. And then while this wasn't in Half-Blood Prince the movie, and it totally should have been, um, the way that they adapted it in those opening scenes of like the Death Eaters destroying the bridge and like the people looking out from their offices, I thought was just really well done. That was really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Two more things that happened in this chapter I thought was worth a mention. Uh, the lifelong mystery of where students at Hogwarts would ever use their ability to turn teacups into gerbils is now fully fleshed out because Fudge, to prove he isn't a hoax and is real, turns the prime minister's teacup into a gerbil. So I'm like, that that <laughs> answers that question of... <laughs> 
<laughs> when are they ever going to use this skill? And apparently the prime minister gives it to his niece and she's thrilled. But then let's not also forget the very last line of this chapter, which, you know, what you were mentioning, Mike, about how dark the series is getting. Um, it's done humorously, but you're 100% right that, you know, and so that's summed up by the final chapter or final line of this chapter, which is, you know, for God's sake, you for goodness sake, you have magic. And the problem is the other side has magic, too. Yes, yeah, very, very ominous, very mm -hmm, eerie very line. Foreboding. Yeah, mm -hmm. wonderful way to start a book, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, from one chapter where Harry is not the protagonist to another, and it's really the only time that I can think of that it happens in the series where we get back-to-back -back chapters with no Harry in it. Right. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's like Andrew's new favorite book. <laughs> <laughs> Until chapter three when Harry appears. <laughs> mm -hmm. I went with Spinner's End, and one thing that came to mind as soon as I, I chose it was that this was one of the titles that J.K. Rowling had been teasing pre-Half-Blood Prince release. Ooh. So oh, it's always Baxter. fun to finally get that reveal of what the, the chapter is all about. One of the reasons I like it is it's the first and I believe the only look inside a professor's home. Oh, don't think we get that for any other professor in the series. But mostly the reason why I chose it was because of the inquisition of Severus Snape. Uh, the back and forth that goes on between Snape and Bellatrix is just next level. Yeah, because she basically asks Snape every single question we could possibly want answered in terms of his loyalty. And you're still not sure <laughs> if you trust Snape after you're done reading the chapter. And I just think that's sort of the brilliance of J.K. Rowling's writing here. And the chapter ends with the unbreakable vow. We know the consequences of that. It, it not only seals Snape's fate, but it seals Dumbledore's fate and it has ramifications down the line. I mean, it, this really sets into motion a lot of other events that we see in both Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows. Uh, and I also thought it was very cool kind of looking back to see Narcissa and Bellatrix together, two sisters in Spinner's End with Snape when we know that Lily and Petunia live near Spinner's End and obviously have interaction with Snape when we get to uh, the Prince's Tale. So um, I just thought all in all it was a really solid chapter. That's that's a good point. And you really, there's no way to do this information and have Harry be present. This is not something that either character, Bellatrix or Snape, would say if he was there. And I mean, she could have done what she did in Goblet of Fire, which was uh, a thousand miles away. A boy called Harry Potter woke with a start and like mm. have it that he had been dreaming about Frank Bryce. But really, that wouldn't have worked here either. This chapter mm. is just such like a refreshing, clean break, like you guys were saying. It also answers the question, at least in part, that you were asking when we had those unanswered questions in Order of the Phoenix, where is Peter Pettigrew? He yeah. makes an appearance uh, in this chapter as well. And and of course, is just completely <laughs> poorly treated by, by Snape, as you would expect. Uh, but um, I just, again, you know, just thinking about Snape's loyalty, you, you really question Snape's loyalty, I think, up to the very last minute of Deathly Hallows at least in terms of you know when he's killed and then and then the prince's tale which I know we're going to get to in bonus or or a little bit later um I just think that that's so amazing that you could still even in this moment right he makes the unbreakable vow you're supposed to think oh he's a death eater and then throughout half blood prince you're continuously asking that question up until the moment he kills dumbledore and then you're still questioning his loyalty so I don't know I can't think of another character that you consistently question their loyalty that much throughout the course of a series. Yeah. I honestly think if we ever got sort of like an alternate viewpoint version of the Potter books, the person from whom I would want to see this the most would be Snape. Yes. For He's sure. so interesting. Um, and this just gave me a flashback to like Deathly Hallows release where um, the bookstores were giving out like the Snape is good or Snape is evil. <laughs> you had Trust to pick a Snape. side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's listen to this voicemail from Michelle. Hey, Mogulcast. This is Michelle. Uh, just wanted to respond to your favorite 
Harry Potter chapter, I think for me it's the Seven Potters from the Deathly Hallows book. I remember as I was reading it thinking, wow, this will be a really neat chapter to put on screen and hopefully they won't screw it up. And for one of the few times, book the movie, they did not. So that's probably my favorite. <laughs> Thanks. Love the show. Michelle's happy they did a good job with an adaptation for <laughs> once. Yeah, this was a super cool chapter, both in book form and in movie form. It was just again, refreshing. It's just something, you know, we're seven books in and we're still being introduced to crazy plot twists like this one, duplicating Harry so the Death Eaters can't figure out which one is the real one. It was awesome. Agreed. Okay, this next one is from Julianne. Hi, MuggleCast crew. Uh, My name is Julianne. I am just calling to tell you my favorite chapter from the Harry Potter books, um, which my favorite chapter is chapter 19, The Silver Doe from Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows from book seven. And it is my favorite because it is a chapter when Ron returns and saves Harry and then destroys the locket. And it just holds so much hope for me as someone who has a loved one who has purposely walked out of my life. And it brings me such joy to see Ron come back in that moment and make things right again. And I just have that hope for myself because of this story that my loved one will come back to my life, too, and make things right. And I know that many others have a similar story where they're waiting for someone to come back who has left. So um, just wanted to share that. And thanks for all you do, guys. Love the show. Oh, my gosh. That was beautiful. Thank Mm -hmm. you, Julianne, for sharing that. It's real profound. Yeah. When it happens, I'm going to be like Kevin McAllister looking through the window, so happy that his neighbor. Don't, don't look through the window. His neighbor, his, <laughs> no, the neighbor guy, because it's the end of Home Alone and the neighbor guy gets his family I'm back. Just kidding. You know, his son. Oh, and, it's and, right. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to be cheering you and everyone else on. What a good reason. Like, what an adult reason for liking that chapter. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I. I, I Included the voicemail is I just thought it was important just the personal tie a lot of times that we hear about yes to the story the moments that really resonate with people that they can identify with and I think without question you know Julianne made that point very clear hundred percent yes we haven't uh, connected these to our personal lives too much though chapter four of Sorcerer's Stone when Hagrid told me that I was a wizard <laughs> that was really <laughs> incredible. <laughs> I forgot to mention, that's why that was one of my favorite chapters. <laughs> um, but now we actually have a cha- we, so we have a we have a twofer here. We, there's actually yeah. a chapter. I thought this might happen, uh, and we wondered what we were going to do when it does happen, if one of us would get a pass. But we actually, two of us picked the same chapter, and Micah and Andrew, you both picked chapter 33 of Deathly Hallows, The Prince's Tale. Mm. Yes. I mean, this is one of the biggest chapters in the Harry Potter series. Mm-hmm. Yep. It should be on everybody's list. I mean, we learned so much. We learned so much. Micah was just talking about not knowing where Snape's loyalties truly lie. And here it is all laid out in one chapter. We find out about Snape's undying love for Lily and Harry's final mission. And it's all revealed in the steady flow of memories. We're jumping from one to the next pretty quickly, all from Snape's Lily compartment. (laughs) And then the first line in the following chapter, finally, the truth. Mm. I was like, ah, cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Snape's not vindicated until after he's dead. Yes. It's like, oh, just like twist the dagger in my heart like yeah as he wanted it though right i mean he didn't want to face harry when harry knew all this information especially in terms of lily but micah why did you choose this chapter i think for a lot of the same reasons that that you did and and i really love the line that you included there from from the next chapter because this is the the info dump that we had all been waiting for forget about dumbledore you know he doesn't tell the truth. He tells like <laughs> three quarters or half of it. Um, and and like you said, Snape's true colors are finally revealed. And we also get to see a lot of other little bits of information that I don't think a lot of us were anticipating, right? Where you're thinking about Petunia's desire uh, to, go to, to, to go to Hogwarts. Um, Snape showing a little bit of compassion, you know, in saying that Dumbledore raised Harry like a pig for slaughter. Like that's that line is so iconic now. I know we did a whole episode about it, 
but it's just, it's so true. And then big theory confirmation. That's another reason why I chose this chapter, right? Dumbledore planned for Snape to kill him. This was a huge theory that doesn't get a payoff until almost the very end of Deathly Hallows. And the other being that Harry's a Horcrux and and that he's going to have to die. Like that is another big theory that was floated out there for a long time that we finally get confirmation on. So I just think the amount of information that we get, the little bits of surprises along the way, um, and and Snape's connection really to to the very beginning of this story, going back to even before Sorcerer's Stone, uh, is is why I chose it. So. And then we also got this voicemail from Sam. Hi, my name is Samuel Weiss. I'm calling from Tampa, Florida. My favorite chapter would have to be The Forest again. It's chapter 34 of The Deathly Hallows. I really like this because even though it's one of the saddest chapters in the series, it has some of the most beautiful writing in it, particularly the line, the line that reads, Like rain on a cold window, these thoughts pattered against the hard surface of the incontrovertible truth that he must die. I love the references, how many heartbeats he has left, and I feel like it really sets up what's important to the end of the series, and it makes us feel like we really have stuck with Harry until the very end, which I know I did, and I felt that in this chapter. Thanks for everything. Bye. Well said, Samuel. Thank you for mm-hmm. sharing that. Well, guys, we did it. <laughs> there they are. There they are. Our, our favorite fa- chapters. Favorite ever. chapters of all. No, there's no take backsies, by the way. This podcast is next week. Laura's going to be like, you know what, guys? I thought about it more, and <laughs> yeah. I need to revise my selections. I find myself as we finish up feeling like a sense of like regret. <laughs> oh my gosh! Did I make no? Not not that. Just like, did I make the right choice? Like. Could I make more choices? Because ultimately, as we're going to get into in Bonus Muggle Cast, there were absolutely other choices that we had in mind and seriously considered. Mm-hmm. Yes, apologies to the 185 chapters that we did not include into this discussion. <laughs> it's not you, it's us. <laughs> But yeah, like Laura said, we are going to touch on a couple more chapters in Bonus MuggleCast today. We all initially picked three chapters, and then we said, well, for the sake of time, let's do two in the main show, and then we'll save our third, our cut chapter for Bonus MuggleCast, and that'll be available at patreon.com slash MuggleCast today. By the way, forgot to mention this, we are now offering annual subscriptions to our Patreon, so you can commit to a year up front, and to thank you you are going to save 10% on your annual subscription. So you can check that out at patreon.com slash mugglecast today. We still have the monthly option, but some people wanted an annual subscription. Either way, we really appreciate your support at patreon.com slash mugglecast because it is the reason why we are a weekly show. And Steph, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a delight to be here. Good, good. Thank you so much for discovering the show a couple years ago and leaving that other Potter podcast for dead and choosing us <laughs> wow <laughs> we appreciate it and thanks for your support anytime it's great to be bribed with gifts <laughs> well yeah for supporting us we try to give people as many benefits as possible and you are a slug club member so this is one of the opportunities the chance to co-host MuggleCast one day i thoroughly recommend it Oh, and you're wearing your MuggleCast shirt today too, right? That's correct. I chose the blue option. So it's mm. this lovely kind of deep blue and I adore it. Awesome. So glad to hear that. If you have any feedback about today's episode, send it on in MuggleCast at gmail.com or use the contact form on MuggleCast.com or call it in like so many people did today. one muggle That's one 368 Or use the voice memo app on your phone and email your message to mugglecast at gmail.com. Just please try to keep it around a minute in length. It is time for Quizage. Last week's question, what is Daisy Penifold known for? This came from Quidditch Through the Ages. The correct answer was that she created a slow motion charm that allowed chasers to grab the quaffles that were uh, falling to the ground a little slower. Or, as Count Ravioli put it, Daisy created a charm that slowed down them quaffles. (laughs) (laughs) I like that answer. That's a a good one. (laughs) Um, Correct answers were submitted by Meg, Jeff, Subsera, Lance Dance, Jason King, Young Susie Blood, Daniel Etok, Darren Johnson, Reese Without a Spoon, and Twig Snap, 
All right. And uh, next week's question. Who wrote the standard book of spells? Grades one through seven. Submit their answer to us over on Twitter using hashtag Quizich. Just at reply MuggleCast and say this week's Quizich answer is... We would appreciate if you took a minute to rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We would love to get a bunch of fresh reviews in the directories because it helps new listeners discover us. So thank you in advance. Also, follow us on social media. We are MuggleCast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I posted this adorable picture this week of the trio 20 years ago this week when they were announced to take on the roles of Harry, Ron, and Hermione. And the picture is super adorable. Is so it the check one that where out. their heads are on top of each other looking out the door? No, not that one. Okay, because that's a phase. Looking out of doors and windows. <laughs> <laughs> is that a theme fa- for this this episode? It's a famous photo. It's a, it's very famous. <laughs> yeah, and also on our social media, you will get Throwback Thursday clips from our 15 year history, new episode previews, the latest news, and more. All right, that does it for this week's episode of MuggleCast. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. I'm Laura. And I'm Stephanie. Bye, Bye. everybody.